Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am super excited to have Kate Adams, PhD, on the show. Kate is an internationally recognized researcher of children's spirituality. She spent a decade teaching children where she was deeply inspired by the insights they shared. Their narratives led to a path of discovery about children's spiritual worlds, initially through her PhD, which delved into children's dreams and sleep, which they believed had a divine connection. She's explored a range of spiritual aspects of young people's lives, and her current project focuses on adults' memories of their childhood imaginary invisible friends. Throughout her studies, children have often explained that their spiritual experiences and wonderings are regularly dismissed as imagination or simply ignored. Kate's work gives voice to them to help adults understand young people's inner worlds and appreciate the wisdom they offer us. Kate is professor of education in the UK and has published what has published widely on the subject for ever over two decades through research papers, articles, books, including Unseen Worlds, Looking Through the Lens of Childhood, which we're going to be talking about today, and the spirit, spiritual dimension of childhood. She has served on the board of directors for the International Association for the Study of Dreams and is co-chair of the International Association for Children's Spirituality. Kate regularly gives talks on her research around the world for a range of audiences, all with the aim of bringing children's experiences into the light. Welcome to the program, Kate. Thank you. It's fabulous to be here. I'm so glad that we that we connected and and I found you uh, because of course that's what this podcast is all about, the mm-hmm. wisdom children bring into this world, and of course, um, find our, our own inner child and that wonder and awe and letting that live, you know, live within us. So this is really exciting. I love when you talk about that your work values children and their spiritual world, and it's so, so important. So let's just kind of start at the beginning. Um, Years ago, I know a little boy named Mark changed your course of of life or your career, actually, um, while you're an elementary school teacher. So which without going, we're going to talk about this the whole time. So um, can you just tell us a little bit about about what happened? Absolutely. So I've been teaching in elementary school for for about nine years at at this point. And um, I know the, the system is is different than in the United States, uh, but we teach religious education. Mm-hmm. And um, in doing that, we teach children about different religions and different non-religious worldviews. 
and we let the children explore those ideas. So we did this every year and I often asked the children whether they believed in God or not. And we discussed lots of ideas and every year very similar things would, would come up. So children might say um, they would hear the God speaking through the rustling of the, the leaves in, in the breeze and, and, and so on. And then uh, a boy, I'll, I'll call Mark, one day he just said something I'd never heard before. And he put his hand up and he said, Miss, I'm sure that God exists. And I know this because he talks to me in my dreams. And I was just, wow, in nine years of talking yeah. about with, with eight and nine-year-olds, never heard anything like this before. And that really was a life-changing moment for me because it sparked something in me. And I, I went off and did a small piece of research um, and realized, of course, that the phenomenon of people talking to the divine in their dreams is in lots of scriptures. Um, uh, around the world but it's certainly not something one hears uh, talk, talking about and um, I did a small project with children and found a fifth of them it's only a small sample but a fifth of them had said that at some point they'd had one dream that they thought had some kind of connection with the divine and these were not all religious children either and that then led um, to a whole chain of events um, that made me give up my, my teaching job and become a PhD student at the age of 35, <laughs> where um, I packed everything up, sold my house, moved up to Scotland and spent five years there studying with um, children about these special dreams that they thought they thought had some divine connection. Wow. And the beauty of children is it's so, they're so honest, you know, it's not as if they would be making, making something up. How beautiful that as first you were an elementary teacher and then going on to do the work that you're doing today, how that is just interwoven so perfectly because you have the experience of looking into those children's eyes and and really getting to know them. So you obviously have a very deep love and compassion for for young children for children um, as I do. And what did how were you raised? Were you brought up spiritually or religiously? Well, it, it was very interesting upbringing uh, when I look back on it in that sense. My father was actually a scientist. He worked in a mm -hmm. lab um, analyzing chemicals. So he saw the world very much through scientific lenses. And if you can't prove it, then it doesn't exist. And my brothers and sister very much followed my dad. Um, my mom was much more open to spiritual things. She, she, she'd been religious. She'd been Christian for a little while, but then that faded um so perhaps I followed my mum by by just being fascinated by by those things but you can imagine in a household like that we had a lot of a lot of debates yes and, and I I think um yes my, my siblings and my dad don't fully understand why why I've made this my career but right um, it's so important so yeah. incredibly important 
So I want to, um, I know you, you've written quite a few books and papers, and today I really want to focus on Unseen Worlds. And why did you decide to write that? And what, um, what do you mean by Unseen Worlds? So that was a book that I, as, as you know, sometimes you just have it in you. You just know, I've got a whole book here. Yes. I can see it mapped out. I can see every chapter and, and what need, needs to go in it. So it was something I was really compelled to write to kind of tell the story, really, of these unseen worlds that children live in. So I called them unseen worlds partly because a lot of adults just don't know about them because children are, are too nervous to speak about them uh, because they, they they think they'll be ignored or made fun of or, you know, just not, not taken seriously. And yet I think there were worlds that lots of us as a child had access to and many, um, but I, I suppose they they're thought of differently. So many adults, and actually some children, will, will just say, it's just imagination. And that, that complicates um, the, the situation, I think, e even more. So that unseenness is, is it kind of goes underground in, right. in a because children don't want to talk about it. And actually a lot of adults don't want to talk about their own experiences either. So it's it's unseen on many levels, really. Um, and what what goes on with a child? So, for example, if if a child is in a dream world, um, we can't see that. We're we're reliant, aren't we, on, on the child telling us or, or letting us know in in some way about it? So even if we can imagine what they're saying to us, it's still partially unseen. It's yes. for us. We're observers um, right. doing our best, aren't we, to, to understand? Yeah. Can you tell us a few of the stories? Of, I know you had an audio clip, but you're not allowed to, to share that because of, you know, the university or, um, but just tell us a few stories that what children have um, told you about their dreams. Yes. So um, to, to be true to the children, I'll, I'll read out word for words some, some of the things Great. they said rather than just um, paraphrasing, because it's, it's just more authentic, isn't it? Um, so there was a, a secular boy, uh, uh, John, who, who I talked to um, about a dream he had that we, we called it changing his behaviour. So he was telling me that at school he'd been getting into lots of fights with, with other children. And he said um, a few days after he had a dream and he said, in the dream, I hurt a boy. Then there were lots of people from school punching each other. And suddenly I was lying on the ground. The boy I had the real fight with before I had the dream, he stood on me with one foot on my back while I was lying on the floor. He punched his fist high up in the air, like to say, triumph and revenge. And then I woke up. So I, I asked him why he thought he'd had that dream. And he said, well, I thought about it a lot. I thought it was a message from God telling me to stop fighting because one day 
well, the, the opponent might become the winner. Mm-hmm. So I decided to talk to the boy I beat up and I made up with him. So the dream made me see that I needed to do that and change my behavior. Beautiful. And that but, may seem, that may seem, well, it doesn't seem small to me, but that changes the direction of a child's life when they, re- I'm getting goosebumps. So I know it's true. Yeah. You know, um, it, it changes a direction. It's like a whole new, it's like a fork in the road, right? Absolutely. Yes. Literally um, changed him. Um, and, and he was very honest, you know, he did say, um, well, I, you know, I've tried not to fight since um, when I get angry and occasionally he does, but he, <laughs> of did, course. he did, at least he was honest, yes. but he did say he, he got in trouble um, much less. But I think one of the very interesting things about that, as you say, changing his life was that, you know, he was talking about this was a dream from God. And yet he wasn't brought up as a religious child, which which was really interesting and not the only child either. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So um, can you have another story that you could that you could share with us? Yes. Yes. This, this one um, was from. Martin, a Christian boy, and um, we called this one The Importance of Family. Mm-hmm. And um, I, th- I think this is also a, a good example because the dream itself is very, very short. Um, and yet it was incredibly meaningful. So Martin described the dream as um, he'd had it two years before, so he'd remembered it very vividly for two years. And this was the dream. A man was praying on a hill and suddenly he vanished. There was no one there. And then I heard a voice saying, never let go of anyone in your family. And that was the end of the dream. So I asked him who he thought the man was who was praying in in the dream. And he said, I don't know, but I think the voice was God. The day before, I'd had a big argument with my mum and dad. They went into my bedroom when I was at school, but I'd put a private sign on my bedroom door and they ignored it. I was really angry. So I wrote them a note saying, if you come into my room again and don't admit it, I will run away. So... I asked him why he thought the voice in the dream said, never let go of anyone in your family. And he said, it was a reminder of like, your mom, she made you and you'd be very unwise to go away from your family. I still remember it two years later. And I tried to love my mum and dad more than I did then. Beautiful. So I just remembered what I was going to say about PMH in terms Mm. of um, the little, little, the child that you just mentioned that was not raised, raised religiously at all. And these are children that had near death experiences, little ones like three, four, five year olds. And um, two of the children in different families were raised. She used the word voodoo in voodoo, which there is absolutely no mention of God, religion. I, I don't, you know, I can't say I'm 
know much about it, but just from what she told me. And this child, when she was went to the other side during her near-death experience, she came back talking about that she had met Jesus, which, and, and not, I mean, not from a religious standpoint, nothing to do, but just as a figure that, you know, someone she met in heaven, which is very, you know, similar to what you're saying, that they've never even known this. And, and then they have these experiences. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Um, story, the the dream about the little boy who was having a lot of issues. His home was, I think, was a broken home and he cried a lot. Can you tell us, can you tell us that story? That kind of pulled on my heartstrings. It's it did with me and, and it still does all, all these years later. Yes. Um Paul had had a very turbulent family life and he he had a dream that he was going up to heaven and, and he was crying. And I asked him why he thought he'd had the dream. And he said he thought that God God was showing him that he, you know, he, he was looking after him. Yeah. But the thing that, that really, really got to me was uh, when I asked him if he told anyone about the dream, apart from me, uh, the, the researcher, and... Um, it wasn't uncommon that children would say to me, no, I've never told anyone, you're, you know, you're the first person. But he, he, he just said to me, no, I've never told anyone, only my cat, because he never laughs at me or answers back. And it was just, just that thought that a child had, had no person in their lives that they could talk to. Um, and it was his pet cat who was just, yes, so, so meaningful to yes. him. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That makes me so sad. Uh, yeah. And I remember correctly, he said that he's my best friend and he's the only one that doesn't, won't like say it's not true or can't talk back or something. That's like that. right. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that brings me to my next question. And I'd like to talk a little bit about, as you, um, I heard you in an interview, you talk about ima imagination and a child's disappointment in adults. Um, can you kind of elaborate on what that, what that means? And also the uh, incredible importance of validating at these, these experiences that, that children have and listening really, you know, listening deeply to them. Yes, it's um, something that comes through uh, not just my research, but research of my colleagues who, who also uh, do things on children's spirituality, that children so often just, they're disappointed in adults because adults don't take them seriously. Yes. These kind, kind of um, experiences. Um, I think sometimes it's the adults don't recognize that they're meaningful uh, for children. Um, and adults are very quick to say, oh, it's just your imagination. And children find that actually quite insulting because children know if something is imagination and they, they will say that. Um, but often they say that these kind of experiences 
they're they're actually very real. Yes. And um, adults, well, they know who they can speak to. I think they know which adults will respect them and, and take them seriously. But this comes through actually in other aspects of my work. When I give talks and, um, you know, I give talks to adult audiences, of course. And I've often had adults say to me, but Kate, how do you know all the children in your research are not just telling you what they think you want to hear? And sometimes I turn that question around on the adults and I said, if the research I've just presented had been with adults about their spiritual experiences rather than with children, would you be saying to me, Kate, how do you know these adults aren't telling you what you want to hear? Um, so I think it partly says something about, certainly in Western cultures, what we think of children and how we frame children as, and yes, yes, they do have fabulous imaginations, but we don't necessarily give them credit for, um, for these kind of very profound experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now, sometimes, in, in fairness to adults, they're just so busy. Um, if they're not particularly interested in these experiences anyway, these things are very easy to miss. You, you can imagine a, you know, a very busy household, kitchen in the morning, parent trying to get children ready for school and, and feed the dog and, and, and everything else. <laughs> and if a child were, were to say something like, um, you know, mum, I, I had this, this amazing dream last night. You know, if the mum's just conscious of time and they haven't got the time to sit and say, tell me about it. Um, and, and I think the other thing is, uh, so for example, you know, the, the, the dreams I um, outlined to you, they are very short. You can, you can recount them in two sentences. So in adults' busy worlds, it's just very easy to miss and yes. not realise it's important. And it's the conversations you have afterwards or you have the conversation around the experience, that's when all these real insights come out of how the children made meaning. Yes. And I think it's so important to look to our Indigenous cultures, some who in the morning, the first thing they do is sit in a circle and talk about their dreams and what those dreams meant. And that the children see that, you know, they're important to them also. So that brings us to the story of Matt talking about validation and parents being really busy. And by the way, this is nothing that, you know, we're not saying anything badly about parents. I mean, we are all very, very busy, yes. but it's just becoming a little bit more, a little bit more aware. And before you tell us about Matt, um, I interviewed Lacey Borgo um, on the show a few times, and she's the spiritual counselor for um, for a home where um, people who are homeless come and and stay and and this and that. And one little boy who was having so many problems to paraphrase and make it brief, 
he was basically, um, he wasn't, all the classes kicked him out of their classes. And so she was, she had him sit with her. That was, that's what I guess his, <laughs> his last punishment was, was to sit with Lacey during lunchtime. And she just talked about how they were both quiet. And I'll never forget, she said to me, she said, all of a sudden, he just started talking and shared with me some of the beautiful things he said, some of the challenging things he said. And then she said, I just listened to him to life. And it was so profound for me. If you listen someone, a child, or really anyone to life, which basically means you're just looking in their eyes and you're deeply listening we've lost, we lost that, but I'm, I think you and I are determined to get that, to get that back in, <laughs> yeah, in, the, yeah. in, in this world. So, so tell us about um, Matt. Yes. So Matt was um, an adult. He was in his forties uh, uh, when I spoke to him and this was the first time he told anyone this and he remembered back to um, when he'd been a child and he'd been at home one evening and he, he'd been outside in the back, back the backyard. And th there was a, a big kind of view across um, the land. He could see the horizon. Um, and he said the sky was very sort of, um, the sky was really unusual. And he looked up and he said it was like a drawing of the houses in Jerusalem. And it was like a landscape in the sky. And he said this, this was not pictures in the clouds that you know, lots of children look for. He said it absolutely wasn't like that. It was just like, like a line drawing. And he was just so excited. So he ran back into the kitchen and he said, mum, mum, come outside and look at this. Come outside and look at this. And she was um, she was kind of washing the dishes after dinner. And she said, yeah, I'll be with you in a minute. And he's going, no, no, now, now, now. And he ran back outside and it was still there. But by the time she came out, it had gone. Now, he wasn't too upset um, because he, he was just so excited about this. And this was mm -hmm. a Sunday evening. So he knew that the next morning in school, and, and this was um, a, a Catholic school, uh, that was run by nuns. Um, every Monday morning, uh, the nuns would sit the children down and say, tell us what you did at the weekend. So he thought, I'm going to tell everyone about this. this. This is so exciting. And his words to me were that he told them that story and he said that was the worst thing that he'd ever done. And I said, well, why? And he said the moment he told them about this vision in the sky, he said, everyone, all, all the other children in the class and the teacher who was a nun, he said, they burst out laughing. And he just felt so utterly humiliated that no one was going to take him seriously. And although he is um, a religious uh, person, he, he retained his Catholic faith uh, as he moved into adulthood. But he said he'd never told anybody 
since and, and until he told me and gave me permission to to tell people about it and i think that's that's one of many instances where we see this potentially negative impact that literally lasts a lifetime yes um and it's just so sad but it, it equally it tells us how important it is that we listen to children while they are children right and even if we don't believe them and we're not asking everyone to believe if a child says they see an angel we're, we're not asking everyone to believe that there is an angel they they might not believe in angels themselves um but it, it's it's about as you say validating and just listening and respecting what the children I think this is a great place to stop today. And I hope you can um, tune in next week to listen to the rest of Kate's inspiring, thought-provoking interview. Hope to see you then. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.